Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 227. Today you've got Chris and Brian, and we're going to talk about working past plateaus in shooting. Um, they can be one of the most frustrating parts of shooting. Uh, doesn't matter if you're doing competition stuff, just going out to have fun, um, trying to get past a qual or standard or whatnot. Yeah. When you get to the point where there's no improvement, um, the, yeah, trying to get to the range trying to practice um, can be kind of frustrating. Uh, so yes, yeah, some ways to, that we found that we can fight past those plateaus. Absolutely, guys. And I would say was, as you listen to this podcast, it's going to sound a whole lot like working out or any other plateau, whether it's a speed plateau running um, or a string plateau lifting or something like that. You know, there's there's a lot of this that is uh, plateaus leveling out um, are, are, I think, a natural progression, a natural part of anything where you're trying to get better at something. And so, you know, don't, whatever you do, don't let the plateau discourage you mentally and don't let it dissuade you from trying to be consistent about putting in the time and effort um, because it is something that you're, you're probably going to break through one way or the other. But I do think there are some kind of little tips and tricks and stuff like that absolutely to kind of maybe help you bump your way up to that next level. So that's kind of some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. I'll let you lead off. Yeah, um, first one. Uh-oh. <coughs> there we go. Maybe now we'll try it again. Um, yeah, the first one being, you know, if the rounds aren't hitting where you want them to go. Yeah. Um, and you have have a known good weapon, um, an ammo combination. So, I mean, even our, ourselves will, you know, sometimes pass guns back and forth just to confirm zeros with another set of yeah. eyes and a different trigger finger. Uh, you know, taking that variable or that excuse out of the way uh, can make a big difference because then it forces, you know, some change on the end of the shooter. Yeah. Um, because they are now the variable that is causing whatever's not happening to happen. And and there's there's an, there's an ego component to this, right? I mean, there's an ego component to um, they're not shots aren't going where I want them to. I want to hand somebody the weapon. Um, there is a reality check that, you know, a couple years back when optics were new to everybody, uh, we had guys run into optics mounting issues at yeah. this stage of the game. You know, that was all new. The manufacturers didn't give you things like torque specs. Um, and a lot of the manufacturers would also say, say things like, um, you know, you shouldn't need any thread locker or anything like that. And while I would agree that, that red Loctite is, I recommend against red Loctite anywhere near optics because the torque values are such that you're going to, you're going to lose the fastener before the thread locker gives up and now yeah. you got a big problem um but you know blue loctite in in minimal amounts and or proper manufacturer spec torque values with a torque wrench with clean threads that have been acetoned or degreased and stuff like yeah. that um you know lead you around to a place where you know things are installed properly versus guys getting a new optics slamming it on their gun right now with whatever tools they have in their bag at the range firing a couple quick rounds to zero and hey i'm good let's you know screw it we'll do it live kind of mentality yeah. um led to optics coming loose optics coming off um and all the guys out there going see i told you i told you just run irons well we've seen irons move we've seen irons slip we've seen irons get bumped as well or just not be on the gun um if it's a yeah. glock <laughs> you know i mean so you know that kind of mentality too hand and passing that gun off to somebody you know is a competent shooter is, is humbling yourself just a little bit and letting somebody punch a couple rounds. And if they go the same place you were shooting them, then you might have an, a legitimate equipment issue. Figure that out, switch guns or whatever, you know, switch guns to a backup gun and go on or figure it out. 
Uh, but beyond that, if the other shooter punches a few rounds in the X-ring, then it's kind of time to say, okay, uh, let's reevaluate this. Something else that comes into this that may not necessarily be an equipment issue and, and it's something that a lot of guys have to overcome going from irons to optics, uh, guys that are cross-eyed dominant yeah. um, and then start doing things like putting tape on an optic so that you know that you're being target focused and stuff like that can cause some weirdness too. Mm -hmm. um, and those are all things you're gonna have to likely experience to overcome. So, you know, they can create that, hey, I'm here, now things are a little bit weird. It's creating this thing I can't get past. I'm gonna call that a plateau for the sake of this argument. Yeah, and and it, some know, of, yeah some of those issues with, like especially the cross-eyed dominant mm -hmm. stuff or the, I'm really super trying to stay target focus of a clue to the dot yeah may not present themselves until you get out to 25 30 40 yards with a handgun yes and then but then they creep up big time yeah then they creep up big time um you know so we're back to oh vision focus um you know <laughs> uh, since you're wearing the shirt today we're gonna go with it uh but you know that and that is a situation where you get weird stuff happening especially at distance and if you're trying to do some of the more challenging things, again, like remain target focused, so you put that tape on your optic to force that focus. Yeah. Um, so just be aware of those things. Those are, you know, those are things you can work through and work past, but sometimes it means, you know, maybe passing that gun to somebody else to confirm what's actually happening, um, who's maybe not cross-eyed dominant or this, that, or the other, or maybe just not as much as you are, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. Um, definitely, definitely. Equipment issues, cross-eyed dominance issues, stuff like that, working through that. Yeah. 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 Um, anything else to add to that? I mean, equipment wise, I'm just trying to think of like new triggers, um, new guns, this, that, and the other, yeah. you know, we've got, we, we do have some guys that we shoot with and, and you and I as well, you know, me going to the P365 XL, trying out mm -hmm. a new gun, um, same kind of conversation, you know, you're, I'm not used to the trigger in the XL, but honestly, it's really not any better or worse than a Glock trigger in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and, and so shooting that and, and looking at that, I, I think maybe if I was struggling, I might say at some point, hey, I want to hand this off to you or to Mac J or to Brian or somebody that, you know, I know is going to center punch rounds with it no matter what you put in their hands yeah. and have them check that too with the new gun just to kind of set your mind right and go, oh, maybe it is the gun, the sights need to adjust it, or, oh, it's a new trigger. I need to learn how to press it. I'm just not taking the time. Yeah, I would even say the trigger isn't nearly as much issue as the grip. Agreed. Uh, Especially, you know, going yeah. from a G19 size gun to a 40 or 365XL. Or, or a 43X or, or 48. 43X, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the grip becomes a lot different. Um, so if you have smaller hands, uh, the gun might be a lot easier to hold on to yes. and apply proper grip pressures and things. If you have really big basketball player hands, yeah. then that little gun becomes... A whole different animal to hold on to. Well, almost because it wants to slide and yaw and twist and things. Yeah. In the grip, uh, and it gets a lot harder to put a proper amount of support hand, um, like thumb, onto the side of the grip. Yeah. Um, that becomes a lot more challenging. And then even the you know your traditional double stack nine millimeter gun, so Glock. 1917, 45, uh -huh. 47, or like a SIG, uh, 320, you know, Smith & Wesson MP, um, HKVP9, stuff like that. Playing or taking the time to actually play around with all of the back straps yes. uh, can make a really big difference in finding the grip size that really fits your hands. 
yeah um, and gives you enough space to get that support side grip pressed into the side of the frame as yeah. opposed to just riding along the fingers of the strong side yeah and i and i do think that if you have mid to large hands you probably need a little bigger grip than you think yeah i mean i think a lot you don't realize how much contact you know how much the contact area helps when you're using your support hand to smash your primary into the grip um how much have i mean I, when i went to the little gun then going back to a g19 or a g45 which is on the edge of fitting me right um it's almost too big kind of thing um and having to focus on the grip and, and that little bit of change going back to the 19 it almost i think i might actually shoot it better now because of that and the bigger gun fills your hand up a little bit better so you know just something to play with for sure yeah yes. and some of the guns out there too that have like the vp9 is brilliant in how many different ways you can configure those grips and stuff like that that's a really neat setup yeah. and some of the newer guns too like the smith 2.0s have really aggressive texturing um, and then the ability to change the back straps between the combination of those two things, you can make that gun really fit you well and really stay put with just a little bit of tinkering. So, yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, cool. Um, yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, you know, to, to, to develop that proper grip at speed off of a draw is really important as well. Uh, if you're chasing part times, especially on drills where you don't have to move your feet. Yeah. Um, there's generally a lot of time to be found in the draw stroke. Yes. Uh, I know we, we kind of hit on this pretty frequently. Uh, but if you're running an open top type competition rig, you know, the gun should be to the eye target line in like 0.9 of a second. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're running stuff from concealment, trying to get the gun, you know, to the eye target line in right around 1.1 or 1.2. Makes a huge difference in providing the ability to remain calm um, going into the shooting, and then once the shooting starts, because we don't feel like we're trying to make up time when we're shooting for bad draw stroke. Yeah, and when you talk about breaking that plateau from a conversation around speed from the draw stroke to the first shot, from the beep to the first shot, uh, breaking that plateau a lot of times may have nothing to do with pulling the trigger. Yeah. That may be simply getting the reps in and, and working efficiencies on the draw stroke. Um, if, if you, especially from concealed, uh, a lot of guys do some really weird body movements um, to clear a concealed garment, um, especially guys that want to turtle up or want to tuck forward and roll their shoulders forward and stuff like that and don't stay vertical and, and kind of relaxed across the yeah. back. Um, you know, you'll see people do some weird movements and all those things are eating up time and energy both um you know so being aware of that that's another place that you can you can break a plateau for sure to the first shot is by working on the draw stroke and cleaning it up uh and, but but it's it's reps it's almost yeah. exclusively reps um you know efficiency and then reps and doing it uh, the other thing too you know the, the inconsistencies with concealed carry I, I get that you know wearing a t-shirt one day versus a sweatshirt the next day we live in ohio so we have all four seasons you might wear extra times might wear four different outfits in one day yeah absolutely um you know so those kind of conversations around that kind of stuff um you know but trying to be consistent about it and, and looking at that you know, there's a great way to gain time we talk about like I said brian said we beat on this on a regular basis from a perspective of your draw stroke and the time from gun to the sight line should be the same whether you're at five yards or 50 yards yeah. um you know we talk about leaving if you anything you leave on the table your other guy's gonna you know your opponent's probably gonna eat it so don't don't give them a free lunch yep. so, yeah uh, another place to find speed baby so yeah yeah and honestly not just speed 
but there's a lot of precision and foundation that leads into the second, fourth, fifth, yep. eighth, twelfth, whatever, whatever shot yeah. um, before a mag change happens, because yeah. um, that's where the grip is established. Mm-hmm. It's where you know trigger finger placement happens, and then having everything lined up in front of your vision. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's something else too you can talk about a little bit. You know, we, we, we are going back to equipment to gain efficiencies, um, but it, it, there are times when it matters. There are times when it helps. Um, changing holsters, um, you know, looking at, a, you know, how solid is your holster? How much does it move when you grab the gun? How solid a platform is it to draw from? Yeah. Um, and if you're, a, if you're a drive it through the bottom of the holster guy, whatever, that's fine. If you're a snatch it out of the holster guy, that's fine too. I don't care, whatever. But having the holster not move around on you um, you know, the holster moving around and you draw the gun may not change a whole lot to the sight line, but if your grip's off, it looks a whole lot different the fourth, fifth shot. Yeah. Basically to, you know, restate what you just said. Um, looks a whole lot different from the fourth, fifth shot if you're not, if you don't have that fundamental or that foundational grip set up ready to go. So another place to gain some stuff, potentially. Yeah, yeah the, the drills or whatnot to test this kind of stuff out would be shooting a build drill. Mm-hmm. We're shooting a lot of build drills. And then also shooting things like the Blake drill, yeah, um, which is three targets about a yard apart, and then two rounds on each. Um, yeah, I mean, if the grip isn't where it needs to be, then the you know the last couple rounds or that last target are going to be a struggle. Yeah, and if you're using Siri to look up the Blake drill, you might try the Balake drill. Uh, either way, so yeah. Cool. All right, um, let's go into just like the, just the pure shooting aspect of it, just uh, like splits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for training a lot of this stuff at, at not a maximal place. There's a lot to be said for greasing the groove at 80 to 90% and not outrunning your headlights um, on a regular basis and making sure that you're doing the things you can do correctly and yeah. well and getting the reps in, but then occasionally taking taking the brakes off a little bit and, and really going hell-bent for leather and breaking it down. Um, if you're looking to break a plateau from a perspective of speed, whether it's splits or whether it's almost anything else, getting the reps in, greasing that groove and getting everything perfect, but then pushing yourself and seeing where it breaks down is the evaluative point, is the opportunity to find out what you're doing. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with so for chasing splits, um, that's the actual how fast can we move the trigger finger yep. and keep the rounds where they need to go. Um, yeah, it, you know, starting out with this, shooting doubles drill mm-hmm. at honestly five yards and trying to shoot a tennis ball or tighter group yeah. um, is the place to do that um, because it, a lot of doubles drill you know, is learning how to shoot the gun at a pace that is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... You know, shooting it at 120 or 130 percent. Yeah. Uh, and then working, working on refining the grip until shooting at that pace produces the results we want on the target. And that's white paper nice for that, right? Yeah. You can read it and see what it's telling us. And it's going to be, you're shooting it close enough um, that steel honestly isn't really safe. No, no, agreed, completely. And even and even if you chose to take it out. I think there's something to be lost a little bit when you start getting back further from the target and from that perspective too, especially with steel, because if you start missing the target, then you're not getting the feedback. You're not getting any feedback except right. for the miss, which is not necessarily helpful. It's not telling you where your grip's failing other than your grip is failing. Yeah, 
And and it, the other, you know, the big thing, if we're shooting doubles at five yards, like, that group needs to be a tennis ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, if you're just hearing a ping on steel, say it's a season-sized piece of steel, it's a really big piece of steel. Yes. Which means you can get, you can get away with a lot of bad grip. Yeah. Um, and still get sort of the, still get the feedback that makes you think you're doing what you need to do. And it's not nearly doing enough to what you yeah. need to do yeah and if you want to challenge that and you know and you do you know and maybe you need to be at 20 yards or whatever to shoot doubles then shoot the top half of the a zone is probably you know roughly the equivalent of four tennis balls at four times the distance yeah still pushing it same kind of mentality you know you can take that angular standard and push it out i just think the feedback you can get when you're trying to push that golf ball tennis ball yeah up close is better feedback yeah yeah, yeah from an angular standpoint um especially if if you're shooting doubles drill, you know, say at five yards or 10 yards, yeah, and, you know, let's go to 10 yards, you're shooting doubles, and it's 20% alphas, 40% charlies, and the rest are scattered yeah. deltas or misses or whatnot. Yeah. Like, it's time to take it back to five. Something sideways. Really, yeah. you know, really button things up um, with the grip, but that gives you the feedback of where all the rounds are going. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and again, back to why paper or cardboard, you know, yeah. gives you a lot better feedback, tells the tail a lot better. And doing the doubles gives you the feedback when you push it to that 120, 130%, you see where things break down. And if stuff's going up, down, right, left, that's all information you can use to correct your grip, which goes back to that foundational trawl stroke stuff. Well, in the case of a doubles drill, you're you you're not drawing the gun on a doubles drill, but it goes back to how you're gripping the gun. And yeah. then you can still apply that to you know that draw to first shot kind of stuff yeah. am i getting where i need to be before i get to the shot and go from there yeah yeah and then you know once once things are i would say established or do you think you got them established after shooting doubles yeah um you're trying to test that stuff out with either build drills or blake drills mm -hmm. um maybe you know bunny stacks um like pistol cross or crisscross or whatnot multiple round drills. Um, multiple round drills with transitions um, to make sure that grip is able to be maintained mm -hmm. uh, throughout the entire string of fire and that doing the longer drills will also test you know how well you're able to maintain your vision focus mm -hmm. on the target um yeah 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 so we're so that that you know then there's kind of a progression of this conversation from you know an efficient draw stroke uh, a solid foundational grip on the gun from the draw stroke maintaining that grip is your grip durable not only is it strong but is it durable um, can you maintain it can you drive the trigger finger fast enough um, you know we start talking about losing the tension across your shoulders crushing grip with your left hand but just a good solid grip with your or primary hand weak hand versus primary hand and letting the trigger finger remain loose enough to go fast um, you know the trigger control at speed is a really nice drill to get like that single, but when you start going to splits, then it's just a matter of doing the reps and, and getting the, the training in. But the progression beyond that would be the vision aspect of it. Then I think the vision aspect of it is probably where more people fail right behind grip. I think a lot of people yeah. have a really crappy grip to work off of, so everything else falls apart. But then beyond that, when you start get, getting guys that are pretty fast, have good trigger fingers, etc., and can stay relaxed enough to run it quickly, the vision part of it is where there's the next place that things really start to show up when you're talking about cutting that nth degree. And if we're talking about breaking a plateau, that's someplace yeah. that we see quite a bit. Um, what kind of drills would you recommend 
to break the vision plateau thing that can be done dry or hot yeah as far as the vision stuff doing things like trigger control at speed mm -hmm. uh, actually makes a difference because uh, it lets us see what we need to see let's see how much it's moving it lets us see yeah how much yeah. how much the gun moves when we apply the trigger uh, doing I would say it's something like pistol cross so we have three targets mm -hmm. um, there's six target zones in the three targets with five maybe five transitions yeah i'm trying to do this really really fast in dry fire yeah um yeah it makes a difference there um live fire doing the one shot recoil control drill and mm -hmm. then the one shot two shot mm -hmm. re recoil control drill um from once a kim can make a really big difference in learning how to use the vision to control the recoil of the gun yeah uh, so we don't over muscle <coughs> it um, that's there's some really good stuff there and then a lot of it is just learning to develop that call like mental discipline to keep keep focus on the eyes and to move the eyes very rapidly and then the body will follow yeah so we can do honestly if we're just kind of staring off out the window pick three four five things and just move you know the really hard like stare down focus between those objects and try to do that very rapidly mm -hmm. and just keep doing laps on those you know four or five things okay uh, or taking you know like a kids connect the dots type exercise um, maybe not all <laughs> you know, 50 dots yeah that a second grader is going to have in their bell work but more like a preschool connect the dots with like five to ten things mm -hmm. literally just taking a, a pencil or a pen and as quickly as possible like bouncing the tip of that pencil or pen from dot to dot to dot and then trying to do that a whole bunch of times in a row yeah um, to develop that visual consistency and ability to change the hard focus of what we're looking at very rapidly yeah and note that a few of these things have nothing to do with pulling a trigger yeah these are visual exercises that i do think you know some of this stuff uh, when i started doing some of the visual transition stuff um most of my focus in dry fire has been trigger control at speed and then draw the first shot because I, I see that as from a certain perspective as the most practical thing in a gunfight type situation um i'm not saying there's not a likelihood that you might not have multiple bad guys or the bad guy might not be moving and you might need to focus on the bad guy in different places for each shot kind of mentality yeah. um i understand that and i'm not i'm not poo-pooing that by any strict imagination i just don't feel like i'm that freaking good to pile that on top just yet mm -hmm. i'm even having done this for decades you know kind of a new way of thinking about this but some of the visual stuff we've done recently where you're moving and, and targets come into view as you're moving and you're trying to find those quickly and get on target two, doing the simpler drills like connect the dots and like run between multiple eye focus points makes a difference when you start doing that kind of stuff. And I think you kind of, even in, let's say that it, even it doesn't, if it builds your confidence in doing it, that's still a solid thing. That's still a helpful thing, even if it doesn't make you faster right off the bat because doing it again that might be the plateau aspect of it where when you do it over and over again at some point you're going to find yourself getting better at it whether you like it or not yeah as long as you're doing it right right as long as yeah. you're doing as long as you're doing it properly yeah yeah and honestly you know as soon as we go uh, take it a drill course of fire standard whatever where we have more than one target um, yeah. almost always the transition time between the targets is going to provide the most ability to improve uh, sort of talking about splits, you know, everybody wants the fastest possible splits, but going from 
you know, again, I mean, pick on shooting double stack lock, going from a you know a point two to a point one seven is giving you three hundredths yeah. of a second per time you pull the trigger. Um, you know, a lot of guys they'll go from one target to the next, and that that transition will be, you know. Three tenths, four, four tenths, tenths, five tenths, even five I mean, tenths, depending. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, if we divide that by point zero three, that's ten shots to fifteen shots. A whole lot of space. To uh, make up. A whole lot of space that you can't make up by shooting the gun faster. Yeah, you have to transition between targets faster. Yeah, um, we look at you know matches have a lot of target transitions. Uh, you know, a lot of drills and things have, you know two to five or so just looking at you know a three target practice array um you know we can have anywhere from two to to five transitions there's a lot of time to be made up on the transitions and again if you're you know looking at this from a more practical perspective rather than a competition perspective in a gunfight you'll likely be moving and the bad guy will likely be moving and so every time you've got to adjust where the gun's pointed to take that shot is is in, in theory a target transition so yep. the faster you can do that, the faster you can address the bad guy and make the bad guy not a threat to you or change his or her behavior as needed. So, the, you yeah. know, it still has a very practical application um, that's that's not just that, gee whiz, how do I want to match? It still applies. Yep. If you just look at it from that perspective. We do a lot of drills where we'll shoot at multiple targets, and if you drill down to the intent of those multiple targets, it's not that you're trying to shoot multiple bad guys, it's that you're trying to engage a bad guy who's moving through space and time while maybe you are too. And if you put it in that perspective, then transitions make a whole lot more sense that you would be a lot more aggressive about it, just like lackadaisically drawing the gun at 50 yards. Because, wow, that bullet's got to, you know, it's going to take a lot more time for that bullet to go 50 yards than it did five feet. Oh, wait a minute. No, there's not a lot more time yeah. there, actually. Yeah. You still need to move quickly. So, same place. Get it, get it where you can get it. Um, but as you can see, as we talk about getting faster and breaking plateaus, it's still in a lot of cases come back comes back to efficiency 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 where can i where can i take time out of the equation that doesn't need to be there um, there are some mechanical things you can do to clean stuff up but in general um, it's 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 efficiencies and it's so much of that's visual and we don't think about how to train it and if you don't talk about how to train it and you don't have some drills or some suggestions and stuff like that this is a good place to start with just those basic things it does not have to be something complex yeah yep so yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, there's some things that with this little gun that when I pick up the bigger gun now, when I go back to the P365, back to the 19, there's some things I do faster with the 365 than I did with the 19, then I picked the 19 up and I did them faster than I ever did them with the 19. It's like, oh, okay, so we're actually making some movement forward, and we've seen that with a lot of guys in our group, especially some of the guys that are just not quite as quick with the handgun, whether they're just more cautious people, yeah, more cautious shooters, more risk-averse individuals in general, versus the guys who really want to take the training wheels off and go 100 miles an hour all the freaking time. There's those guys that are, you know, kind of getting some of these modalities into place and having some things to work on efficiency-wise have gotten a lot better where there's room to make it up in efficiency. Yeah. So I'd say that's the thing to chase, probably to break plateaus. If you're at a very high level, then, you know, now maybe you're looking at going and getting in front of a high-level trainer like yeah. a Steger <laughs> or like a Park or a prank uh, yeah, or a Mason Jedi Lane. or a Nate, uh, yeah somebody who's up there who wants to do that kind of training and can really clean you up but if you're at a high level you already know that yeah so yeah cool yeah go faster and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note 
as we come across things, uh, we try to get them posted up to our social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, we're at Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters 2. On our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on the on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We'll get you added to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. We're here 10 to 5 Tuesday through Friday and then 10 to 3 on Saturdays. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in.